Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week, we are bringing you three awesome indie games news stories, not including all the amazing stories we have in NewsCram. Yes, we do have two quick news stories, unlike every other week, because for some reason I just could never actually put any in there, but we got some this week. And we also have a whole shitload of new stuff. We've got an awesome game to talk about over on crowdfunding sites, specifically Kickstarter, because that's Mm -hmm. like our go-to at this point i mean for the most part <laughs> we sometimes have it on fig i i kind of abandoned uh what was it indiegogo, indiegogo kind of blows honestly yeah, i don't really like it I, they sometimes have stuff but they're like the organization of it's campaigns so is so awful <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not really a fan of it either i mean i can't necessarily say that i like kickstarter's organization either but it's better uh-huh. yeah i think that makes sense it's like it's not preferable but it's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, mostly Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. So you want to hear something weird? You want to introduce us first? Uh, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> I do. Thanks for bringing that up cuz I I realized I fucked myself up. Okay, cool. Uh, but before we get into that, I would like to introduce myself Von Hyde alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, uh, Josh Boys. How you doing today, Big Josh Boy? And thanks for keeping me on track. No problem. That's what I do best, dude. Today has been a nightmare, as you obviously know. But the la- <laughs> like, we're we're like thirty minutes behind because of just audio issues galore. I don't know what was going on with my mic today. Yeah, and then you jinxed me, and I got all fucked up with it, and then my shit was fucked up. I know. I'm super nervous. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. I'm like on the edge of my seat right now. I'm looking at my my volume and I'm like, okay, it seems fine. Okay. I'm not sure. It seems good. I'm see for I'm that not like too... <sighs> Neither am I because I checked it like a million times after, but like the, the problem with mine was my volume was still showing like the normal levels, but the minute you listened to it, it just sounded like I was in a like a very small glass bubble <laughs> and just everything was just echoing for some reason i don't know why but once i closed audacity and reopened it it seems to be working fine now so you know well we'll just roll with it i guess we should end up just saying hey if either of us sound like robots for some odd reason just fucking like i don't know one of those days (laughs) yeah blame josh i guess (laughs) i'm good with that (laughs) so the weird thing i want to talk about and this actually is probably the least weird thing i've ever talked about but i'm not even 25 years old and i swear to god i have the like the the bodily structure of like an 85 year old arthritic man i'm not even joking (laughs) it only gets better I, I know I'm so excited to to have just like all of my mental faculties and you know just like everything in my body I'm just so excited for it to go so wrong like it's it's great everyone's so excited to like grow up so they can like drink and uh, get a house and rent a car or whatever and I'm just like mm, man my back is hurt for like a fucking week and I don't know why it's really bothering me yeah it's awesome. my back and my neck are awful it is. I don't know why they just, especially now that, you know, I, I started doing the whole work from home thing and I'm just constantly in the same chair all the time. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it for the next couple of years. Like eventually I'm just going to get stuck in these tour. <laughs> just like, it, it's awful. You're going to look like a gargoyle, just like hunched over. Hunched over. <laughs> Dude, it scares me. Every time I see an old person, 
I know this is like kind of shitty to say, but like <laughs> there's so many videos of old people and their backs are just so crazy looking. Like they're completely hunched. And every time I see it, I immediately just like straighten up like as, as much as I can. And my wife will see it and she'd be like, did you do that because of the old guy? And I was like, I don't want to look like him. <laughs> Just like your posture correction tool, like maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe men have like we need to (laughs) like get like male corsets. You know what I mean? Like those those weird things that are like back braces that make you Mm -hmm. stand up perfectly. Yeah, my my idea was a little bit weirder. I was gonna say I just need a couple of pictures of old people in front of me, like on my wall, so that I can always just look up (laughs) and see them and be like, oh yeah, that's right, and just straight. I'm gonna be honest. That was my first idea. So (laughs) great minds think alike. I was going to say that first. And then I was like, you know, what would actually work though. A back brace. So (laughs) yeah, probably the struggle is real. Being old is great. I'm, I'm not excited about it at all. And I understand that like, I'm speaking from a privileged position of being 24 years old, but I'm being serious, dude. I'm getting real sick of it. Like fucking existence is pain. I'm with the me seeks on this one. (laughs) This fucking blows. I don't know, man. You just got to keep uh, keep on trucking. Something good will happen, I guess. Yeah, maybe I just need to start working out, get rid of this pudgy body. I don't know. I mean, I work out a good amount, and I still fucking hate my body, so I don't know if it matters. I don't know. There are those people who believe mainly... Sub- I mean, this is a theory that I've heard, or at least I've I've heard people say it, and I have not yet substantiated it, but... <laughs> Apparently, Donald Trump believes that your heart only has a certain amount of beats, and that's why he doesn't exercise. Ah, it's always good to have opinions backed by science. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we talk about games? <laughs> um, so, Big Josh Boy, you are playing uh, an awesome little indie game called Cloak and Dasher by Spirit Stone Studio. How you doing? How's that doing? Not you. I mean, you also. <laughs> I mean, I'm going? also doing okay. But <laughs> <laughs> man, we are all over the place today. Um, yeah. So Cloak and Dasher. This is a, a nifty little indie game that reminds me a lot of Celeste, not from a story perspective, but from a gameplay perspective. So. Cloak and Dasher is, they they describe it as an insanely fast, wildly fun guide cloak in their search for riches through a maze of ruins full of deadly traps and weird monsters in this 2D flip screen platformer. This is a very arcade-esque game where you essentially have a small map that you, their levels, that you have to jump from one area to another and either unlock doors by finding keys or just racing to the door as quickly as you can. And the way your character moves is you're this little assassin kind of looking guy who is uh, in a cloak and he dashes. He has two main abilities, which is jumping and dashing. And so you just have kind of very similar to Celeste. There's a lot of things that can kill you, things that, you know, you'll fall into and die from. And the point is you can do two things in each level. You can try to play it where you do it the fastest and you just try to get from point A to point B and, you know, get out. Or you can collect these gems as well, which are like an added bonus of difficulty. Uh, I don't know why I said bonus, more of an added level of difficulty to that specific level. 
And the way these are combined is you'll have uh, like maps or, or uh, segments. These are like sections. So each world, I'll call it, is a collection of those levels that you have to get from point A to point B in. And so the point is to play these worlds, which are a collection of some being like 10 levels to sometimes like, I think the, the most was like 25 or 30 of them. And it's back to back. So you'll play one and then it immediately puts you in the next level. And you do that as quick as you can to try and get uh, not only, you know, the fastest time in each one of those levels, but the fastest time overall for the completion of all of those levels. And then they have things like leaderboards and, and things to kind of push you to be like, oh, I want to get faster than this person. So it, uh, you know, inspires that competitive side for you if that's, you know, your jam. Um, the cool thing is there's th like this is early access. There's not a ton of worlds right now, but they are updating it. Um, just recently, they put in a new world. Um, which was called the Carnivorous Caverns update, which was cool because they added uh, some new enemies or mechanics into this game where there's basically like Venus, uh, Venus, Venus flytraps that are on the ground or on the walls. And if you get next to them, they'll snap uh, and kill you. But you use them as actual objects because you like get close to them and then run away really quickly they snap and then you have either a platform or something to jump off of so you have to use that in tandem with you know dodging but also using them as steps to get to the next area so i like that they're they're incorporating these clever little new mechanics to it and they're rolling out additional levels as time goes on i don't know what you know that final level count is going to be or what they're planning but i i think that this game uh for only 10 bucks is i wouldn't say it's crazy high it's a little high for the amount of levels they have right now because if you're not really into that spirit of being as crazy competitive and just playing for the fastest time you will run out of those levels quickly um but it is good to get in the ground now because if they're constantly adding those level packs by the end of this you might have you know a, a ton of uh content to play with and it is fun for those who who want to have something that's you know close to that level of celeste of uh, a nifty little platformer it's not the same kind of difficulty as celeste and it's not the same storyline but it's more of that arcade quick action you know you get to just jump in and play at any time and there's something about those games that obviously are are very um very appealing to others because it's not a lot of investment. It's more of just like, I want to have fun and try to see how high of a time I can get on this level or this world. One thing that's definitely nitpicky that I'm looking at is you were talking about how you can collect the gems. I don't like how small they are. I don't know mm. why that bothers me so much, but for some reason, like these like bright, vibrant colors next to this, like really kind of matte darkness. And then you have mm. like big enemies that obviously attract the eye. And honestly, I didn't know what you meant by gems until mm. I really focused for a second. And then they're just like mm. dots, like little dots. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at it from, from just a perspective of watching a video or looking at an image, you're not really going to get it. But at the end of every level and, and during the level, you'll get, like, a completion quick stats on, like, 
how you're doing or what's in there. And it'll show you the exact image and you can replay every level, not just a world. If you wanna just play a level to kind of get faster at that one specific area or just because you wanna play that one because you liked it more than others, like you can replay it so you have that um, that amount of time to sit there and just think about it and restart and you know uh, understand where these gems are. Um, and it's also, you know, for some people, you just want to beat the level. You don't have to complete it in that certain timeline. It's not like you're going to die if you don't do it fast enough. So you have the ability to be like, I'm going to chill for this run through of all of the levels, find out where the gems are, find out what's the best way to get them. And then afterwards, try to be like, okay, now I'm going to try to do it where I get all of them as fast as I can. Yeah, this game looks really cool, but it also kind of looks like a butthole. Um, oh no, I, I don't mean it's art style, by the way. I, I actually really enjoy the art style. I mean that it looks legitimately hard. Oh, and okay. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no, I realized after I said that that it was definitely going to sound like I was insulting it. No, the game looks just hard like while watching the gameplay, but... I actually really want to check this out. Um, I don't know if you had said it or not. Maybe I just didn't hear you say it, but uh, we did get this from the developer, correct? Yes. Yes, we did. So this was this was actually given to us by Spirit Stone Studio. Um, so shout out to them. Thank you very much for that. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I compared this to Celeste because it's an easy thing to do, especially since that's such a popular game and it's well known as being a platformer and having that dash technique, but it is no way near... Uh, close to the difficulty that Celeste ramps up to. And that's not to say that it's not going to be because, you know, they're still working on packs and creating all these different enemies. There are times where, you know, I'd fail and I'd have to keep replaying a level to figure out how to do it. But it's not something where I think it's going to be totally inaccessible to to people because there's, um, you know, there's, there's that that urge to be as fast as you can, but you don't have to be. You can take your time and you can move around the enemies and clear them all out before they actually kill you or, or whatever it is. Something is going to sound kind of weird, obviously, because I don't know why I keep starting off sentences with that. Um, <laughs> okay. But <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. So since I'm new to PC gaming, I want to ask you something about Steam's interface, okay. mostly because I feel like it doesn't necessarily do a lot of games justice because like Cloak and Dasher, um, when you look at where it has like all reviews, it says there's six user uh-huh. reviews, but it doesn't tell you if they're like mostly positive or anything like that and then when you scroll down to the reviews there are 16 reviews that filter like Mm. to to basically all positive but for some reason it just keeps saying that there's only six reviews that is interesting uh honestly i don't know uh normally these should all stay in there the only thing that i can think of is that they would all be too recent and they're putting some kind of like tracking system to keep it people from doing review bombs but looking at the dates for a lot of these they don't seem to be that recent so i i don't know why that would be the case yeah i don't know i thought that maybe it was because like some of them have the whole like product received for free thing so no, it's but like maybe that's yeah. in there but i don't think so no because i'm looking at that and that that's kind of where my head went as well but i'm only seeing like one or two that specifically say hey this product was received for free 
Yeah, I just, I find that kind of like, I, I don't know if that necessarily like in real life actually does the game a disservice, but for some reason I kind of think it does because I immediately like look for the reviews and it's like, oh, six reviews, like whatever, must not be that good. And then it turns out it's got positive reviews seemingly yeah. and a I lot mean, of people really enjoy it. I mean, I think that's just uh, more of like an indie mindset that, you know, you kind of have to get out of when, when searching through these is because unfortunately they're not going to get as much um of that recognition if they're a less lesser known title i think it's more important especially when you see something like that and it doesn't give a review score is to you know actually look at what those reviews say and and granted yes that's kind of a thing where some people will just put it off and be like well i don't want to do the research and and that's totally valid because you know there's a lot of games out there but if it looks interesting to you um, I would say read the actual reviews from those people. Um, and for me, honestly, sometimes uh, I, I don't look at the reviews that much. I, I just like seeing the videos because I think that does it a lot more justice for me anyway, is watching you know someone actually playing it to see kind of what that would feel like. Um, but yeah, it does require more research and it kind of sucks. I honestly don't know why it's not updated. I, I think that is a little... Um, you know, against them, which it definitely should be updated because there's more and all of them are positive. So that would only do it, you know, uh, a benefit, like give them the benefit of being a highly rated game. Um, so that is kind of upsetting for them. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it kind of blows. But you were also playing a game called Signs of Sojourner, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think I believe that's the <laughs> that's the name. Uh so it's Signs of of the Sojourner. It's by Echo Knight Games. This game is and I know you're going to hate me because I'm going to I'm going to say it, it's another card game. But I think it's by Echo Dog Game. Echo Dog Games? Yeah, on Steam it's Echo Dog. Oh, you're right, actually. Where did I get Echo, Echo Dog Knight? games? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know where Echo Knight came from. So sorry, Echo Dog. Um, actually, I should have known that because I saw... Yeah, It's, it's up on where... Google. On Google, it says that it's Echo Knight Games LLC, but on Steam, it says it's Echo Dog Games. Mm, maybe there was one of those name changes. Google fucking me up again. Anyway, apologies. <laughs> Echo Dog Games, uh, you are right, and I do know that because... Or I should know that because there's a little dog at the start of the game. Um Anyway, so Signs of the Sojourner is, uh, the way they describe it is a narrative card game, and it's about uh, relationships and connecting with people. So this is a card game, but it's not in the same nature that you would expect a card game when you think of something like Slay the Spire or Hearthstone. It's not you trying to battle someone and, you know, defeat them. It's you trying to have a conversation with someone. So think of, like... uh, what was that one mobile game that a lot of people go crazy about where there's that conversation where you were fitting the puzzle pieces together? Um, um, are you talking about uh, Florence? Or yes, you... Florence, Florence. So very similar to that kind of style of like two people communicating with each other in a way where it's not using words. Um, instead, what you're using is cards. And so each of the cards that you have, you have like a deck of, I believe it's uh, 10, and you have a deck of these cards and on each side there are symbols. So on the left side there's going to be symbols, on the right side there's going to be symbols. And the way it works is you'll play one card, which will have those symbols, and then the character you're speaking with will play another card. 
and their card will have symbols. And the point is you have to match those symbols together. So anything, anytime I play a card and that those symbols that are on the right side, the card that they play on the left side will have to match, otherwise the chain will be broken. Now, the reason why that's important is because you have a certain number of chances to talk with someone and have a fully connecting chain of cards, uh, and a certain number of times where you can unfortunately break that chain and screw up. That's basically having a conversation with someone. So it's like you had, uh, let's say, three chances of, of having to get a positive conversation connected, and three chances of you being able to screw it up before that person says, hey, you're an asshole. I'm not talking to you anymore, right? <laughs> so, so it's super uh, unique in that regard. You're basically this individual whose mother has just passed away who was part of what's known as a caravan, and she was like a traveling merchant who went from town to town to get stuff for her store that she would sell in her little town because her, her town is like off the beaten path, and uh, you know they're very reliant on the things that his, uh, his or her, I'm not really too sure, they don't really give your gender, um, but uh, of your mother's... Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, This town relies on your mother's items that she's bringing in. So you're taking on that legacy now that she's passed away and trying to be a part of that caravan and meeting all the different people that knew your mother and, and talking with them and trying to get items and bring them back to your town. And the way it works is you have essentially five trips that you can go on, um, and there's there's more to the story, and I won't ruin it or go too deep into it, but there's there's a reason why you're going through five different trips of going through towns and coming back to your your village and uh, basically staying there for the day to sell a bunch of items. The way it works is you're traveling with a group, or you could travel on your own and go to different towns. And the reason why this is so unique, and I love this game so much, is not really like the card game aspect and the actual, you know, uh, what I would deem as combat, even though it's not really combat, it's just the main mechanic of the game, is pretty fun because it is a puzzle because you constantly have to match certain items and the cards can get really unique as you start getting later on to the game because they start giving not only uh, one symbol, but there's a number of different symbols you can get. There's cards that have special effects like uh, making it so you can play another card right after or making the uh, the person you're talking to play two cards. There's ones that will mirror the cards that, uh, uh, that the person played before it. There's cards that will go in between the conversation chain. Like there's a bunch of different unique mechanics that make it so it's not just a very simple like match the symbols kind of a thing. Um, but the reason why I love this game so much is because it has such a, a smart undertone mechanic that you wouldn't really understand um, or like, not that you wouldn't understand it, but they don't explicitly force it upon you. And it's the fact that you are traveling from place to place and you're constantly, every time you finish a conversation, you gain a new card and you have to give up one of the cards that you had. And that's considered your, you know, gaining experience. That's your, your learning from a person by having a conversation and growing as a person and changing based on the people you're around. And as you travel, different symbols are in different areas. So the farther you go away from home, the more 
chances that you don't have as many cards as you would have to convert like to have a normal conversation with the people back home so the farther away from home you go the harder it is for you to connect with those people when you get back and that's so true in real life and it's something that isn't like you know like i said forced upon you but it's such a unique mechanic that is expressed in such like a a very silent way but is super creative and super cool to see and it was very true and it was one of those things where I had to constantly struggle with being like I don't want to stray so far away from my village because then I won't be able to talk with the people that I met at the beginning and then I won't be able to communicate with them in the same way but I also want to travel farther because I want to meet new people I want to go to different places and it's such a, a a unique mechanic of being you know tied to that you know to to where you grew up essentially and if you want to leave that behind or if you want to retain that and give up the opportunity to explore new uh new chances so when you play different cards, have you seen whether or not it actually changes what happens in a conversation? Like, I don't mean how you were saying uh, that you can play the wrong card or you can do something and they'll be like, oh, fuck off. I mean, like, is it the same conversation every time between the two, like fuck off or a full-fledged conversation? Or if you play different cards, can it be co- about something completely different? No. So, so like, yes and no to that question uh okay so the way the conversations work is there's like i said those positive ticks and the negative ticks depending on how far you get into a conversation they'll give you information like hey uh this reminds me of this one area that your mother and i used to go to and in your notebook and as part of your travels you'll now have the ability to go to that location you'll you'll be able to like you'll know the path to get there or they'll give you items if you you know completely finish that conversation But in between that, you can either, you know, screw up and get those negative ticks. And if you get the full one, they won't give you anything, uh, you know, past that. But like you can get a positive conversation for the first two ticks uh, or however many there are and then screw it up right after because you can't, uh, you know, get it to that third one. You can't uh, complete the chain and you screw up and they might give you like a location that you can go to, but they won't give you an item and they won't finish the conversation that you could have had and why that's important. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change based on those cards you use, but why that's important is because it progresses the story where if you don't have, you know, meaningful conversations with a certain person, you might not be able to talk to another character or you might not be able to find a different location. In my playthrough, um, and this is one of the things they kind of like told you is you're not going to be able to talk to everyone. Like don't try to make everything work is because it's it's just not going to work. You don't always have the cards. You don't always have the combinations. And sometimes conversations just don't work. Like you might not be on that same mindset as a person. And that's just how it is in real life, which I, once again, really thought was very clever. But to, you know, that point, I played and I explored a good chunk of the map, but there was a couple of places I never even went. There was uh, an area I could never discover because I couldn't talk to this one robot character because uh, I just didn't have the cards. And so I never found out how to go to that area. But at the same time, I found a ton on the like the left hand uh, left hand side of the, the map. And I was able to com- conversate with all of them and get items and get locations. So like it can change based on the cards you have and the path you take. Um, but if you try to do everything all at once, you're not going to be able to do a lot kind of thing. Uh, would you say that it's worth the like 1999 buy-in? 
I think so. I, I, I do because the replayability of this game is actually pretty cool um, to the fact that, like I said, I finished the game, but there's still a bunch of areas that I didn't explore. There's things that I could have done differently. Um, you can travel with the caravan, which is like this group of people the entire time, or you can go off the beaten path and just go wherever you want. That's what I did. I could see what it's like if I followed the caravan and what the conversations would be like then, or, you know, what that might have been as far as the items I could have found. Like there's different beats to the story if you're going in a different way. That's really cool. Are you uh, playing this on Steam or is this on like Xbox Game Pass or something? No, I was playing this on Steam. I actually got the code from the developer themselves. Ah, gotcha. Well, thank you, Echo Dog Games or Echo Knight, depending on what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it is Echo Dog because I've, I've seen it in the game, but maybe that was like a name that they had beforehand. I don't know. But regardless, Signs of the Sojourner are what you need to know. I'd say check it out. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it looks really cool. The thing I like while looking at it, because obviously I haven't played it, but while looking at it, the coolest thing I'd say is that kind of like doodle, but also abstract art style and like its weird color palette. I think it looks really, really interesting. Yeah, the art style is really nice. Uh, The music in it is pretty good, too. Uh, I don't know. And just the creative side of the main like conversation point in general, I think is really neat. Yeah, the the entire gameplay mechanic of like a conversation based on cards is actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I played a, like two different games this week. Got to catch up from last week, I guess, or just you know play some indie games altogether. <laughs> I I like I tweeted last week when I found it out, but I went on like Humble Bundle for some reason. I forget why specifically. I think I was checking out their like indie game Humble Bundle that we talked about last week. And Uh I saw that they actually had like Aegis Defenders for free for no reason. Like (laughs) they're just giving it away. And I mean, it was published by them, so it totally makes sense. But I was like, what the hell? So I ended up downloading Aegis Defenders by Guts Department. And I've been wanting to play it for a long time because I think it's actually really, really cool. I always thought it was really interesting. Um, I thought the mix between platforming and tower defense was really cool. Um, I do have some issues with the game, mostly that like platforming doesn't feel that good for Hmm. the most part. It kind of feels a little clunky, Mm -hmm. um, which in at times can really suck when you're trying to do the tower defense portion of it, because like you sometimes have to move from, uh, the right side of this like little area because it's just a, a 2d platformer for the most part with tower defense, uh, sections of the game, but you have to move from one side of the screen to the other. And at times you have to do some like light platforming. It's nothing bad. Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. cloak and dash or Celeste or whatever like that. It's just like kind of jumping from platform to platform but it just feels kind of clunky um but it was a lot of fun uh typically it seems like for the the few levels that i played um the way it starts out is you start out in the platforming section where you go through and you try to collect uh relics which are basically just collectibles that increase the amount of seemingly like money you get or they're just collectibles i didn't see like a specific one-to-one um like reward ratio from getting the relics. So I'm not exactly sure Mm -hmm. uh, what that does for you, but you get like uh, relics and you then also can get like uh, materials, which 
you use to actually um, you bank up like I think it's like six of these weird flowers and six gold pieces and depending on what character you're playing as um, either I forget her name specifically the main character what is her name oh clue her name is clue um if you play as clue you use the blue flowers to make bombs which is so weird <laughs> I, I don't know how that works out that makes sense. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, or you play uh, Clue's grandfather, who uses the gold pieces to make turrets and to make these defense, uh, these kind of like defense pillars wow. that when different enemies run into them, they'll attack them, but they can't get past them. But if you put a defense turret behind it, um, they can actually shoot through it. So they end up shooting the like monsters or whatever, um, these different like insect looking creatures. Mm-hmm. They end up shooting them before they can get to uh, this relic that you're trying to defend for the most part um so during the platforming sections it's kind of just about gaining like resources which you have a cap of six which kind of sucks um but it does force you to kind of get more when you're doing the tower defense section so like after each one of the uh so the two different ones that i did um it had like three different waves that you did so after the first wave it would stop it gives you like um a minute or two minutes something like that to go collect resources and to barricade yourself back up before the monsters come in and you can actually cut that off short to end up getting more of the currency in the game which i thought was pretty cool um because it kind of rewards you for just thinking quickly but I don't like the cap on the amount of resources that you can actually hold. Mostly just because, like, I would spend the majority of that getting ready time just slowly moving from one side of the screen to the other to try to get this resource that was on the other side of the screen really quickly. Um, So then I could move all the way back to the other side and just to plant a mine. Hmm. Like, it got kind of old having to do that all the time. Um... But I did, I did enjoy it. Uh, what I mean by the movement feeling clunky is your person moves really slowly, which I actually think is kind of cute because the way they walk is like very cute. Um, they they walk like old people in old fashioned cartoons, how they have that really exaggerated like arms flailing walk. For <laughs> some reason, I find it so cute and it's so interesting. But they move so slowly that I'm just like, dude, just like fucking go, come on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to get all this money, but I have to go all the way over to this other side of the freaking screen to get this stupid ass flower to then make a bomb, which the actual making of different objects like these relics that you use, because you have your standard weapon, which you can use to like kill the enemies yourself, or you can set up these different pieces of gear, um, which is actually kind of cool because Clue, she has her mines, but then later on, um, after you go through a couple of these different like uh, after you go through a couple of different levels, you then get the ability to get this. Uh, you get the ability to upgrade your mine to where it now, if you place another mine on top of it, they actually combine to make like a pincer trap that when people walk through it, it slows them down and hurts them, which is really nice because if you combine that with one of those defense towers, they can't move, so they just sit there and get hurt over and over again. Mm-hmm. Versus the the mine itself just detonates once and it does a lot of damage but it doesn't kill it like it doesn't kill a lot of the enemies it kills some of them but there are like flying enemies that don't even touch the mine uh that you would either have to kill with like your gun or the turrets or something like that so 
I find it really fun, and I think the actual, like, my favorite part about it, other than that walking animation, is actually the conversation overlays are really, really beautiful. They're like, uh, I think they're hand-drawn, if I remember correctly, because it's got this nice, like, really, really nice pixel art art style, but then when you have, you're in conversations, it has a hand-drawn kind of really, like, artistic rendition of these characters, and I like it a lot. Um, it really kind of fleshes out who these characters are and in a way gives you a little bit of their personality. Um, but I do like the game a lot. There are just a few things that I had issues with. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the mix between platforming and tower defense is cool, but it often like, it's kind of weird to just start out every level by here's a platforming section where you gain materials and gain relics. And then here's a tower defense section. And Like, I didn't get a massive amount of levels in. I only probably went to two or three, I believe. Mm -hmm. But every time was the same structure. So I would, I don't know why, but I would rather mix it up a little bit to where it wasn't this kind of like somewhat boring platforming section and then finally getting to the tower defense. Maybe the next time I do the tower defense first. uh, But of course, then you have to have the materials to do so, which that makes sense why you have to do the platforming section first. It's just, it's kind of annoying. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I I found the gameplay loop over uh, overall fun, but it just got a little bit repetitive. Um, that makes sense. I mean, it's tough, especially if you're trying to do like two genres at once, you know, because it, so that's the thing. Oftentimes I'm always a big proponent of being like, yeah, mixing genres is great. And it comes up with some unique combinations and things like that. But it sounds like this is more of, you know, they're mixing the genres, but not in a way where it would be mixing it together. It's more just having two genres in the same game. Yeah, exactly. It's not like a perfect meld of either one. Instead, it's like instead of making green, they just put blue and yellow next to each other. And it's like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's not that exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is a dumb way to put it. No, For all I like the dumb it. dumbs out there no, like me. No, I like but, it. It's good. Um, the story of the game I actually find really, really interesting and it makes me want to play more because it's about these creatures or like God-esque creatures called the Deathless who have these like extraordinary powers and they govern different regions of this map, but each one of them governs in different ways. Like one governs through like militaristic might, the others govern through like peace. It's really interesting and I want to play more of it just to get that like just to get the story of the deathless but honestly at this point like the small bit that has changed in the gameplay by like because you can get uh the new like um you can get new i want to kind of like items like the the traps and like um turrets and stuff like that you can upgrade them and get new ones Mm -hmm. um that kind of changes things but it's still like roughly the same and you can get new weapons to where like uh clue has a rifle that you can either shoot quickly or you can charge it up and then do a little bit more damage and then i bought a bow so quill uh clue used the bow and it does basically the exact same thing but it actually had a drop off which allowed me to hit enemies at like a lower um platform but other than that gameplay hasn't changed that much um i know that you get more characters throughout the game other than clue and her grandpa so I'm excited for that to happen because I'm hoping that those other characters kind of change up that gameplay formula a little bit. But until that happens, the gameplay just 
is kind of uninteresting at this point. Mm, that's um, a shame. Yeah, but it is really relaxing. I should say that it's not like really like heart pounding or anything like that. It's kind of like the the music is really soft and relaxing. It's calm, and I like that a lot. Um, but then I don't know. I just wish everything was actually kind of a little bit more fast paced, which is the exact opposite of what I just said. So there you go. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Yeah, but I would recommend people check it out. Just kind of like uh, look at some of the videos and see if you like it. I Like I said, I will warn you, though, that the combat is a little bit slower paced. But because it's not like I, I every time I think of tower defense, I imagine people think of like balloon tower defense or some shit like that. Some flash game they played when they were a kid. <laughs> it's not like that. Um it's it's much different uh instead of like that isometric view where you'd get um or that top down view and you just place stuff upon uh, like a path Mm -hmm. and you just try to make it to where they don't get to the end instead it's like a 2d platforming path where they come from multiple different entrances and you just have to build up those entrances Mm -hmm. so it's it's a little bit different but kind of the same um yeah, I, f- I just found that it kind of got old, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be for, you know, other people who are more fans of the uh, the tower defense type of genre. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. Like, somebody who's a big fan of tower defense, I would actually like to hear what they think of uh, Aegis Defender's, like, tower defense sections, if they enjoy the way they do that and how they handle resources. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. it's kind of weird. I'm not a I'm not a big tower defense person. I've never been too crazy about it. That's why I didn't like I saw that it was free, but I was like, eh, it's not for me. Damn it, Josh. Freaking Guess I just had to play some more card games. I mean, you know me. It's all about the cards. <laughs> um, and then another game I'm playing, a developer actually reached out to us to talk about their game, which I thought was amazing. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. Said our podcast was cool. I know. Nice. So nice. <laughs> um uh, but you're probably going to hate me if you're listening to this because I don't know how to say the name of your game. I'm going to be Omarangi. Is that how you think you say it? Well, I don't fucking know. I mean, that's just what I think, but it might be wrong. Okay. Let's go with Omarangi Generation. That's the name of the game. Um, it's made by Origami Digital. Uh, so this is a photography game. It's a very chill photography game, um, which I actually really like. Um, way back when, when I was writing for Handsome Phantom, I actually uh, wrote an article about the like really cool gameplay mechanics that not enough games used, and a photography system was actually one of them. Mm-hmm. Now... I have not played Pokemon Snap, oh, but a lot of people tell me it's great. I love it. <laughs> I, man, they need to bring that back. Where's Where's my Pokemon Snap remastered and or just totally new? <laughs> the difference between that and this is uh, Pokemon Snap was on rails, right? And you yeah. just like went along and tried to take pictures of different Pokemon? Yep. You had, to, you had to sit in a little cart and a bunch of Pokemon would run around. And you'd throw an apple at them sometimes or you would sing a song and they would dance while they were going. It was so good. So good. Okay. So, yeah. The but anyway, between yes, 
They were on rails. Pokemon. I assume the game <laughs> yeah. that you're playing is not. <laughs> no, it isn't. It, it drops you into like a, a little area that you are told that you basically like there are bounties. So there are certain kind like certain types of pictures that you actually have to get while you're in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you try to do it under a certain time limit so you can get like the maximum amount of money. And you also try to like uh, take good enough pictures to get more money. It's kind of just like uh, like checking off boxes as you go that's cool it is it's really cool and it's like very chill it's got this uh really like, like the art style to it yeah the art style is kind of like abstract but it's these uh kind of like these soft colors it's not super outrageous or anything and then the actual music behind it is very kind of like uh like lo-fi hip-hop kind of a thing Ooh, like lo-fi like hip-hop songs to to jam to to chill to kind of a thing yeah. so that's really interesting. My big problem with it is, is that they have like, so um, when you get into an area, you click escape mm-hmm. and it drops down a menu of all of these different uh, bounties that you would have to take pictures of. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I like that it tells you what they are. So it's like, uh, take a picture of two markers, take a picture of uh, seven birds. Just to let you all know, that means just, you don't take seven pictures of like one picture of seven different birds. You take a picture with seven birds in it, mm. which makes you have to like it. It makes each like little scenario kind of a puzzle because you have to find out where exactly you could take this picture. Right. What angle is going to have seven birds in it? Yeah, exactly. To have all seven birds. But I have found that like there was one that said two markers and I took a picture that had two markers in it and it didn't count. It seems like it was looking for a very specific two markers. Mm. And I don't know why. Like, maybe it was, like, the color, but it didn't say that it had to be a specific color. It just said two markers. So I took a picture of, a like, a red and a blue marker, and they were just in the same area. I took a picture. I thought it was cool. And you get a little bit of money for every picture that you take, but... The bounty gives you more money, and if you do the bounties under a certain amount of time, under a given amount of time, it gives you even more money, and your money also checks off a box, so it's like kind of an achievement. Um, in the first area, it was like, I think $120 was the achievement for it, so I like would take certain pictures, but for some reason, at the angles that I was taking them, even though they included what it asked for, it did not count it. And I don't know why. Like another one was take a picture of the word mix. So I took a picture of a mixtape that said my mix, which includes the word mix. And it didn't count. And I was like, so are you wanting me to take a very specific picture? Like that, like, is there a word mix somewhere on this map that I just haven't found yet? And that's the picture I need to take? Like, I don't really yeah, know. And then that's pretty weird. I mean, so is there is there a time limit on on these these like areas that you're in to find and take those pictures? Or can yeah, you- so it drops you in and it gives you. Uh, as far as I knew, it was giving me ten minutes to take all of these pictures in under ten minutes, oh. or I believe the amount of money that I would get would actually decrease. Gotcha. So. Technically, you can keep looking around after the 10 minutes, which I did, but I just found it somewhat annoying that it was like just asking, like it gave me the bare minimum detail, 
like right. two markers. So I put, took a picture with two markers in it, and it's like, nope, apparently. And then I took another picture with a different set of two markers, and it counted. And I was like, were you looking for just that picture? Yeah, that's that's a shame because that, that's probably just like maybe they didn't even realize it was in there, and they, they were like, there's two markers in this area. I don't think there's any other markers, so like, let's just use this. <laughs> I don't like know. That. Yeah. It's so weird. They like kind of populate this small area with like so the seven birds thing. Mm-hmm. This area has like forty five birds. I swear to God, oh, there's like Jesus. a shitload of birds. But there's only seemingly one angle, one or two angles where you could take a picture with seven birds in it. Mm-hmm. And then you try to like you can do this color correction and stuff like that, so you can actually change the um the brightness of your picture. Um, I forget what it's specifically called. You can change like the contrast and stuff like that after you take the picture. And depending on like the angle in which you took it and whether or not it's blurry, um, kind of the quality of your picture actually gives you more money, which I really like because that's what I like a lot about photography games or that like that kind of gameplay mechanic put in games like dead rising the the original um and i believe the the later one um where frank west i think it's like frank west strikes back or like something like that Mm -hmm. um like that one also included it where frank west was a photojournalist and you took pictures and you gained money based on the contents of your pictures Mm -hmm. and i always thought that was really cool and this game does a very similar thing but of course you're not like fighting off zombies and taking upskirt pics and all sorts of weird shit (laughs) instead you're taking these very like calming pictures of like seven birds two markers and then they're also like asked me to take a picture of a mountain and i'm like i'm like what like is that a landmark here is that like there was like um a painting on the wall like of a mountain that said the words above it so i was like oh maybe i'd take a picture of that but when i took a picture of it it didn't count so i was like what Hmm. what am i supposed to do like it seems like they kind of want you to take a picture of a specific thing at a specific angle right right i'm sure that's hard to i mean i don't know how it was coded but i'm sure that's hard to do in certain situations where like I mean, I guess maybe it's not as bad, but like they obviously had something in mind. So it's tough to know. It's one of those things where you probably just have to like, can you replay these levels? Like, is there time to go back into those levels and just try again and like explore around, I guess? I think you can. Mm. Um, I'm going to have to play more and give you like an update next week because I think you can replay them. Yeah. But and I would assume you can. I'm. But it was just so weird. Yeah. I was like, why doesn't it work when I take this picture? This is what it's asking me for. Right. I mean, those those specific, like, that nitpick aside, it still sounds really cool. I, I'm probably going to actually check this out, though, just because I definitely like the idea of having something that's, like, a very chill, like, you know, just get to walk around, take pictures, or, like, little puzzle missions of these things, get that, like, Pokemon Snap itch that I've had for years and years, but also have some nice, cool lo-fi beats. Um, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend that because it is it is really fun and it is really calming, um, especially because like if you go on Steam, there is actually a demo that you can try mm. so you can see whether or not you like it. Um, and I would actually like really recommend it because it's, it's a lot of fun. But uh, $15... Um, the small amount I played, like if that's, if 
photo editing and like taking pictures in this kind of like really calming relaxed environment is something that you enjoy i would say honestly this game seems worth 15 bucks Mm -hmm. um I would have to play more to really give a definitive answer, but I do like it. And I and I think it's it's probably worth that amount. What I played, like, I had fun with it, um, and I would have paid $15. So th- the only thing that honestly annoyed me was that whole, like, it seems like it wants me to take a specific picture thing. Right. Yeah, that's tough. Um, why don't we get into the main news? Yeah, absolutely, because we're pretty far into this. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Our first news story is over on IGN. It's written by Joe Scrabbles, and it is Scorn, what you'll actually be playing, and uh, why it's on Series X. So Scorn was one of the surprise hits of last week's Inside Xbox Showcase. It's blank storytelling. Yeah, blank. Okay, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and HR Geiger-inspired aesthetic standing, uh, standing out from the rest of the Series X's third-party slate. We've known about this game as a PC title for several years at this point, and it turns out the lure of Series X for developer Ebb Software was the fact that a console version would now match the uh, vision it always had for its PC project. Uh, It was about bringing, and this is a quote, um, it was about bringing it in line with the PC version, said director, oh no. There's no way I can say that name. <laughs> Lejurmir Peklar. I don't know. That was uh, definitely not right. That sounds close enough. <laughs> uh, when I asked what the thinking was behind releasing Scorn for the new Xbox, uh, we don't want to make any compromises, and Series X certainly enables us to do just that. Um, I asked what specifically Series X offers to the team that current-gen consoles couldn't, and uh, seemingly they said it's most... Uh, it's mostly evolutionary improvements that are going to uh, make the biggest difference. You're having trouble reading that sentence. Yeah, I am. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, the most important one is uh, the elimination of CPU bottlenecking, or just bottleneck. The CPU motherfucker. Oh my god. Do you god. want me to read this? <laughs> uh, I believe in you. No, you I'm got good. this. You got this. The elimination of the CPU bottleneck that exists in current-gen consoles and much faster loading of assets thanks to the SSD. It's all about responsiveness and not having to wait on things. For Scorn's developers, uh, compromise seems to be out of the question and Series X's power is a draw. Scorn is being built in Unreal Engine 4 and appears to be an exercise in pushing those tools as far as they'll go. Peklar doesn't say it outright, but Ebb appears to be aiming for a high resolution and frame rates as much as it's, it is shiny. Okay. Um, uh, it's new looks. Uh, if developers decide to opt for lower resolutions and 30 FPS, they could get more spectacular results like in the new Unreal 5 showcase a few days ago, uh, what you have to remember is that responsiveness and motion uh, and motion clarity are also part of the overall presentation, so you would still be losing detail in a sense. This game looks fucking gross. Yeah, dude. I, that's basically my one thing is I... Uh, ugh. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I'm gonna get really high res textures on this thing that looks like a vagina. Yeah, I don't know if I want that. I mean, I want to play this game. I'm 
pretty interested in it and think that it's probably going to be something great, but like, ugh, boy, does it look gross. Yeah, and it has like barnacles on their skin and stuff. It just makes me cr- like, ugh. yeah, like it makes my skin crawl and feel uncomfortable. I don't know why. It's just like games like this. I actually remember uh, seeing this game and it was originally announced way long ago specifically because of that. Thought it looked real gross then. Um, but I think it's I think it's cool that the developer didn't compromise. They were like seemingly I, I don't know if it was like just an advantageous decision to make it to like at that time. They're just like, oh yeah, the Series X they released the specs, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or if they knew about this and have been working on it for a long time, I would imagine it's that, but Right, right. I guess you never know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's definitely something where, you know, looking at this, it's pretty damn impressive that this is an indie studio, right? Like, that they're being able to do this. I don't know, man. How big is Ebb Software? I really want to know that <laughs> because it's pretty crazy I don't know. what they're showcasing here. Yeah, the game looks really pretty in a grotesque way. Right, exactly. I mean, there's obviously the, like, this is fucking gross, but, like, that's what it's going for so like good job (laughs) (laughs) you accomplished your mission yeah it reminds me a lot and i think um josh said this on active quest but it reminds me a lot of like prometheus Mm. um like a lot of the same like kind of visual storytelling it seems like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i and like the whole alien universe i think it looks a lot like that right um yeah, shit looks weird, but I'm <laughs> glad they didn't compromise. I'm glad they stuck to their guns. And I think yeah. it's cool that, like, um, we'll actually kind of talk about this later with one of our questions, but I think it's awesome that, uh, like, indie game developers or just game developers in general seemingly going into this next console generation, like, depending on what exactly they're shooting for, won't have to compromise between, like, PC and console ports. Right. They, they don't have to worry about one being, like, much worse off than the other. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this you know with the uh both unreal engine uh and you know um like the epic games making things a lot easier for developers to create and with consoles becoming much closer to the same power as pcs um you know it'll be interesting to see the shift possibly of where indies might go um that was worded terribly, but essentially what I'm trying to say is this next generation, it could be that, you know, indie games go to, you know, maybe PlayStation again, like they used to be, or maybe now they go to Xbox because Xbox might be pushing them Game Pass deals, you know, um, maybe these, I mean, we're always going to have, I think, uh, not always, but for the long run, I think we're still going to see them on the Switch, but like this thing, there's no way they're going to put this on the Switch. Like, we just had a whole thing about how they're like, we don't want to compromise. I would be uh, super surprised if this got ported um, just because of that same concept. But like for those independent developers who have this engine and who are able to, uh, you know, apparently easily go from one to the other, like maybe we'll start seeing a shift in where these indies live. Do you think that like, um, this is obviously a weird hypothetical, but do you think that 
the the like drastic improvement of consoles will mean that there will eventually like um how you're talking about how they're going to move platforms possibly do you think that there would ever be like not an indie games like um an indie games market on pc or do you think that Mm. that's the constant whereas the console market will have a specific place like right now it's the nintendo switch um way back when it was like the the 360 right yeah yeah exactly the 360 then it went to the vita then it went to nintendo switch like there's there's a constant jump uh but to your point i think one thing that has always stuck has been pc gaming and an indie scene in there like no matter where those games have gone to from a console perspective they generally start on pc and i don't know if that's going to change because i think it's a lot easier for someone to have a pc and build in that same environment as opposed to them having a pc and building towards a console if that makes any sense like yeah, I, I think it's a lot uh, a lot easier for them to start with that area because they're working in that same box and just have that, you know, we're going to put it all here. We're going to test it here. Everything makes sense. Um, and because there's also just more ramifications from like a legal perspective of getting it to a certain platform, uh, whereas with PC, it's more of just being able to create it. And then if you don't want to go through something like Steam, you could always go through something like GOG or like, you know, just itch.io and just upload it there um, as like a free thing or, or pay for it there. But it's not as much stipulation as it would be to get it on like an Xbox market or, uh, you know, the eShop. You do, uh, I don't know why, but I'm I'm assuming that indie game developers or just developers in general would kind of like to want to have their um like their their toes dipped in a bunch of different ponds, so that way they can get money from a bunch of different sources. Like I imagine that would be the most like lucrative way to do so. So even though that one platform might be a really good idea like of course bringing yours to switch and that's where like the home of indie games is you'd still want to have that like that portion of your audience on pc as well yeah well that depends so that's like there is some truth to that but you also have to consider how hard it is to port to each separate console and what the work is involved in in making that change because then you also have to consider if you're gonna you know be patching in things or like if you you run off of a live service or you're gonna be doing dlc you have to test it you have to run it you have to make sure it works on every single environment so like there is some kind of you know uh is it worth it balance that you have to play but it does make sense that you would want it in multiple platforms because it's just visibility and and actual people buying your games Oh, yeah. To be clear, I was just saying that in defense of, like, PC gaming not going away. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. For kind sure. of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, moving it to multiple different consoles would be super annoying, especially just, like, the UI, mm-hmm. um, changing all of that. Right. But, yeah. Uh, so, speaking of PC gaming, our next news story is over on GameSpot. It's written by James O'Connor, and it is, Disco Elysium system requirements have been cut right down. Uh, cut, what? Cut right down. So people, okay, yeah, they they got cut down. Um, okay, is it just me or is that worded so weird? They've been cut right down, <laughs> so more people could enjoy it. Nice. I don't know why I felt like that wasn't worded so weird. Yeah, but honestly, it's it's kind of funny. I I mean, it's great that you have the new computer, but I wish you didn't. Or like, do you still have the old one to run it and see if it still chugs? 
Yeah, I do. I was actually kind of thinking about that. If I should plug it in and see if it still kind of blows you on there. I want to know because I want to know if that was what like because that was your one of your main like I know it wasn't as appealing to you as uh, like as it was to me. But like that was one of your main concerns was like load times were awful. Yeah, they were super fucking long. <laughs> so maybe. Yeah. And at time, like the game would chug and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe it definitely was just my PC. And like, I mean, obviously, I think it was my PC. But um, now sure. that they have these lower specs, I wonder exactly how it'll go. Um, I don't know what this means for the game's like overall quality. Yeah, um, that is a weird thing. I- but I mean, they, yeah, like, they list like what they did to change it. And it doesn't seem like it's specifically cutting back anything. It's more of because here, uh, let's actually go to the patch notes that are listed inside the article. They say, first, move to a new version of Unity, which just has a bunch of optimizations, uh, found and fixed weird cases on some resolutions, um, corrected some typos and words. So that doesn't matter. Uh, literally hundreds of optimizations through the game and graphics engine to streamline the code and make it less resource hungry. Um, and then a bunch of other things of like fixing animations, but like that right there, that optimizations of changing the code and just refactoring it so that it's cleaner is a hundred percent going to, even though it's not changing like the graphics for it specifically is just going to make it so it's not intensive on your computer so that it can run smoothly. Yeah. So I'm assuming that it's still going to be a decent visual quality, even if you're running them at like minimum specs, which now have changed to, uh, windows seven and DirectX 11 compatible video cards integrated or dedicated with a minimum of 512 megabyte memory, yeah. uh, two gigabytes of Ram, uh, Intel core two duo and 20 gigs of hard drive space. And if you're on a Mac, it it's a uh, Mac, yeah, that just looks like the different kinds of Mac. I, okay. Nope. <laughs> I guess it's nice to know that those aren't modular. That's fun. I mean, um, yeah, well, that is the, the benefit of Macs is you just have a product line, not specific parts. Um, that's very true. So, I mean, to go back to your point, like this isn't going to change the way it looks per se. Like the graphics are still going to look exact. Like if you put it on low quality, medium quality, high quality, ultra high, I don't know. What, I don't remember what the settings are, but like those won't specifically change. It'll still be based on like your graphics card and what fidelity you can actually run it at. But it it's just going to make it smoother and the animations to it not uh, bog down the system so that you don't have to, you know, go through your computer like frying because it's trying to run something that has code that's a little bit, you know, clunky. Yeah, and it is really cool that the developers ZAUM, however you're Z-um. supposed to say that. Uh, yeah, however it's actually supposed to be pronounced. Um it is really cool that they seemingly took the time to do this optimization. Um, I'm assuming it was probably for a different reason, but mm. it is awesome that they lowered the minimum requirements so that did now they, like people with lower grade PCs can play. Yeah. Did they release Disco Elysium on consoles yet? No, I don't, think, I don't believe so. It's probably the reason why they're doing it is literally just so that it won't chug on consoles. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. Kind of like in their working, uh, in their like process of making a console port, they're like, shit, this is all the stuff we have to fix. Yeah. So we might as well fix it for PC as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I would assume we're getting a console port soon. Um, do you think that it will come to, like, if we get a console port, this 
quote unquote late in the generation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it will come to like PlayStation Four and Xbox One, and do you think it'll come to like PS Five and Series X? That's what they they've said. Like they've they've said specifically that it will be for Xbox One and PS Four. Now the question is, will they come to the next one? I don't know. Um, based on like Xbox Series X's whole. Uh, stance on oh we're gonna do smart delivery for like a ton of different games I wouldn't be surprised if you know they have the opportunity to make that where Disco Elysium could be just one of those games that goes to Series X Um, PS5 is another uh, beast because you never really know what they're gonna do as far as that Um, but like I don't think Disco Elysium or I I don't think the developers um, are going to have anything uh, anytime soon because something like Disco Elysium, if they do that same kind of like story branching and, and all of that, uh, that type of game again, but more of a sequel or more of a different story, that takes a long time. It takes a long time to code that and it takes a long time to write all of the different branches that would go into that game. So like, I think it would be in their best interest to create a PS5 and an Xbox Series X game because that will hold them off while they're trying to develop and work on whatever comes next. Yeah, while they're making work on a sequel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that definitely sounds like a really good idea. Um, Thanks. Now, let's talk about... Uh, now let's talk about just, I guess, some nebulous idea. I don't really know what kind of transition I was uh, going you for. You always do okay, and then it's like the last <laughs> one, and you're like, here we go. I just see the finish line and like trip myself for no reason. <laughs> uh, this last one's over on Nintendo Life. It's written by the good boy, Liam Doolin, and it is <laughs> Megabyte Punch developer left in the dark after Nintendo pulls game from Switch eShop. Now, this has since been updated, but the original story was basically that Team Reptile, the developers behind uh, Megabyte Punch, their game was just delisted from uh, the Nintendo Switch eShop, and they could not find out why, but it has since been updated. Uh, Team Reptile has now seemingly worked out why the game was pulled from the switch eShop in select regions uh below is a full statement that they got an email um <laughs> it appears the reason why the game was suddenly made unavailable has become clear may 14th the iarc rating of the game was updated with a different age rating uh for rar Russia and USK, which is Germany. Uh, we have reviewed the product and determined that the game contains violence that wasn't disclosed. Uh, your rating, ha- your ratings have been updated accordingly. The IARC um, seemingly said, I guess. Um, the game was originally rated by the IARC system on October eighth, twenty nineteen, with a positive rating for all ages. Um, I'm assuming. I don't like the way that this is actually split up because it's kind of weird. We respect Nintendo's policy, but the fact that we, as a self-publishing developer, so seemingly this part is by Team Reptile, Mm -hmm. um, have zero possibilities to appeal the decision of a third party to change the rating with these immediate and crucial effects is very worrying. We certainly do not agree with the decision that Megabyte Punch is a violent game that needs a rating of 12+. On top of that, that we question the decision to pull off the game from all stores within Europe and Australia and not only and not only the countries affected by the updated rating. So I think he means just the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Countries, not not the other way around. Yeah. Um 
we do have to rectify that upon further investigation, uh, we found that Nintendo, in fact, sent a message regarding the removal of the game from the eShop due to some very unfortunate timing. The message crossed exactly with a different message about the upcoming patch. This is written so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that afterwards. It was our fault. (laughs) Uh, We have submitted a patch that should solve the issues and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, the game was pulled because the rating was changed, which this is actually not an uncommon thing. Mm -hmm. Like, way back when, we were talking about how, I think it was To the Moon, was taken off of, um, like, Europe's eShop, and it was because of this exact same thing, where the rating had changed for some random reason, and it was taken off, and then once the rating was then updated, it was put back up. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's super weird. Like it, it does kind of suck. Like first off, it's really funny that they didn't see the message and kind of like blew up at them about like, how is this fair kind of a thing. And like, I get it because that does suck, especially for like indies to just be like, Hey, you know how you guys are pretty reliant on like your game doing well? Well, um, we're not going to let you sell it anymore. So it's pretty, it's pretty crucial that they can actually sell their game to keep, you know, eating and surviving. But at the same time, uh, I do think they have a point that it's it's strange that it's pulled from the eShop in the countries where it hasn't changed. Yeah, it didn't just, like, they didn't just change it in the specific, like, uh, Russia and Germany or wherever it changed. Instead, they pulled it from seemingly both those and with, like, Europe and Australia also yeah. for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why, because, you know, thinking about how that would work, how, like, an, the eShop would work in general is you have all of these different countries where the games are different and it's interesting that it seems to me like that would have had to be an action that nintendo took where they specifically pulled it from each one of those different servers maybe you know there's a there's a take away from all servers button that they have or some kind of command but like it seems like that's an active thing that you would have to do with the way that they are all different games i would assume um, maybe not. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just making up wild accusations, but like still it, it does seem a little odd that they would just be like, it's different in this one place. So like people in Europe can't have it. Like why? But seemingly the game was still available in North America. So I don't know why. Maybe Nintendo like assumed that maybe Nintendo uh, I believe know the- Europe isn't like Russia isn't in Europe. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to say maybe Nintendo was assuming that I believe the rating board in Europe in Australia is Peggy. Maybe they mm. thought that they were going to actually change it as well. Yeah. So they were just getting ahead of it. But I honestly maybe. don't know because, yeah. Or, I, uh, or maybe, so the ratings, the companies, like for Russia, it's RAR. For Germany, it's USK. Maybe they just didn't see the S and they were like, ah, the UK, take it from Europe as well. <laughs> They're just like, take it from that whole fucking continent. (laughs) It's like, it's in that region. Take it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know. This shit's weird. Honestly, like they were both kind of dealt a raw deal and kind of did it to themselves. Yeah. Like they have that like little bit where they're like, it's really fucked up that Nintendo took it off everything. But technically we should have known about it. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that is... That is very uh, unfortunate timing, as they mention. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the only thing that really changed in that is that they weren't left in the dark. Like, their initial statement of being left in the dark was not true. Yeah, I mean, they were uh, technically they were. They just 
they didn't realize they had a flashlight. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of our main news story. So we are going to hop into news cram, cram time. It's cram time. Oh man, I didn't know you were going to do more. I know. I just I <laughs> felt like I needed a little bit more oomph, you know. Yeah, that little bit of zhuzh, as, as zhuzh. per every episode. I got that cram zhuzh. Ugh. <laughs> That's so gross. Um, News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod, an indie games podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. And I zhuzh. like how the cram zhuzh makes it so yeah. much worse after we you say that. you with all kinds of zhuzh. <laughs> this week in News Cram, we have two quick news stories, and we've got a bunch of new stuff. Sadly, no new deals and quick steals, but of course, if any are known to me, after this episode airs, I will be posting them on our Twitter, so make sure you follow us at IndiePod on Twitter. Um, our first quick news story for today comes by way of Twinfinite, which, where it's reported that Superhot VR has just surpassed the massive sales milestone of 2 million copies across all platforms. Now over to Nintendo Life, where it's reported that several indie game physical editions from publisher Pixelheart are being delayed. Those being Finding Teddy 2 on Switch and Wii U will be released on May 29th, 2020. It's so weird that some of these are coming out on Wii U. Um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, somebody still got it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Shmup Collection on Switch and Wii U will be released during the month of June. Super Trench Attack on the Switch will be released sometime during the month of July. And Guns and Mercy on the Switch is set to release sometime in August. Now on to some new stuff. Uh, over on Nintendo Life, we got our first four news stories where it's reported that Retro Metroidvania Zeo Drifter by Renegade Kid is finally having its physical copy shipped out to customers starting sometime this week i'm assuming those were delayed because of the coronavirus but i don't know didn't say in the article as far as i saw (laughs) didn't look that hard um the the 2d metroidvania mind sees by kamina uh, dimension is headed to the nintendo switch sometime this september that retro racing game horizon chase turbo by Equiris uh, Game Studio is getting a free update that will add a uh, quite a bit of Brazilian-themed goods, such as two new tracks in the city of Porto, Porto Alegre. I don't know if I said that right. I know that Alegre is like an erectile dysfunction medication, I'm pretty sure. Or it's for allergies. I don't know. Eh, um, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, one additional car and much more uh, and that monster taming RPG Nexomon Extinction by Vivo Interactive is headed to PC sometime this summer which I think I'm going to say right now I think is actually kind of weird because there is a Nexomon that's on PC in early access and then this is like a sequel hmm. but maybe they're not being developed by the same people I don't know Interesting. it just weirded me out Yeah. no idea um <laughs> fucking arrow where yeah we need you <laughs> <laughs> come on uh, now over on twinfinite where it's reported that multiplayer action rpg blightbound by ronimo 
Games, Ranimo Games, <laughs> is coming to Switch Early Access sometime in 2020. Dope. And to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reported that retro action RPG Chex Quest by Team Chex Quest and Flight School Studio is now available on Steam and is completely free. So, Big Hell Josh yeah. Boy, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we give back to the creators in our next segment. God bless the crowd. This is where the biggest of average Josh boys hops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, generally Kickstarter, and find us some awesome games to <laughs> talk about. It's all full circle. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week we're talking about War of Assured, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. It's A-S-H-I-R-D. Just spell it. Don't try to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like subtitle, I guess, is own land and become a lord of a castle, recruit over 20 playable characters, and engage in strategic battles. The developers were looking for $31,500. They are currently way past that with $85,667 with 1,072 backers and 21 days left to go. Little did they know, one of their backers is $85,000, so they're about to be fucked, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that shit ain't gonna go through yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh so big josh boy how do you feel about war of assured uh looks a lot like fire emblem it does but worse <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it, it basically looks like if you've ever played a fire emblem game uh it's that but the interesting part is they much like that uh, Aegis Defenders game you were talking about, they decided to take two genres and mash them together, but not in a way where you're changing the, the, the game at certain intervals. You're just making it two different genres at separate times. So what I mean by that is normally your combat will be, oh, you're going to be a strategic battle like, uh, like Fire Emblem, where you have your units, you're moving them around, you're attacking, defending, whatever, what have you. But then when you fight a boss, they turn it into a turn-based JRPG-esque aesthetic, where now it's a turn-based battle with the three characters that you have. So it's super strange how they decided to do this. I mean, I I like the idea of changing that, but like, I don't know how they're going to make sense of that in the story. Uh, I'm sure they'll find a way, but I don't know if that's like, you know, if you're a fan of both of these genres, you might like this. If you're a fan of one and not the other, then it might be not something for you. Like for me personally, I wasn't as crazy about this because the Fire Emblem side of it, like I've never been that into just those type of games. So I was like, this looks interesting and it does look very Fire Emblem. It's even got like a three houses kind of appeal to it where there's like three different empires. So like, there's a lot that, that, you know, it's very close to that. If you wanted, you know, even more fire emblem esque, uh, type game, but it, it does look like it's, it's more of like, um, you know, a clash that I'm not sure is going to work as well as they think it might, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird. I do like the anime aesthetic that they have, especially because they in- like implemented uh, sexy cat girls, yeah, which I'm a, a big fan of. 
Um, yeah, definitely full of waifus and like husbandos. I think that's the other name. Is that what it's called? Oh, that's awful. I think so. <laughs> they got sexy people just all around in this game, dude. Except for that one night, the like soldier thing that for some reason doesn't have eyes. It's fucking weird as shit, and I don't like it. Yeah, but it's strange. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I once again am gonna pull a trademark me and say, "What's, what's up with this fucking trailer, dude?" Oh yeah, of course. Like, of course. The, they okay they showcase a lot of gameplay but they don't have anything actually like over it kind of but they, when they do it's like okay of course it's in like this is developed uh, all across the world but seemingly mostly in japan so they don't write it in english which kind of sucks but not really like it's not a big deal but mm-hmm. one of the sections of gameplay like they're walking around and it's an extremely low resolution and it's super choppy yeah it that, literally has like frame rate dips. i totally forgot about watching that earlier yeah the i don't know why they decided to keep that in and not clean that up because it is insanely choppy the the actual yeah. like and it's weird because the first part they they show right at the start part where the character is running around in a forest and like it does not have that. But then they go to this, like, later, this this weird, like... Uh, it's like a castle. Yeah, this castle or, like, these Egyptian planes, like... And it's just totally awful. I don't, I don't... Like, maybe they rushed to get this video out. I don't know. It did not come off well in those sections. Yeah, it was just so weird. I was like, okay, this game looks kind of good. I like the anime aesthetic, and I don't like the way the combat looks. Not the literal gameplay, but when enemies like attack, they do it that looks weird so spiral fucking jump. weird. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what is happening here? And then it finally gets to that part in it where it literally just looks like dog shit. And I was like, why would you show your game running so poorly? <laughs> Yeah. I don't understand. I don't like, know. and honestly, this game looks really interesting. I'm, like you said, it definitely does do the thing where it's like uh, chooses two genres but doesn't actually mix them. So I'm interested to see how that ends up working. But I think this game does look cool. I th- I like the anime aesthetic and just the overall like fantasy meets like uh, somewhat of like a I want to say somewhat reality. Like it seems more realistic i don't see like a lot of like magic and stuff like that with the exception of the cat girls which is super awesome mm-hmm. um i don't know because one of these and, characters is a demon so we'll see how much that oh, is true man uh but they also have like um like actual decisions that you get to make where they say like forge your own story right. you can decide how to finish certain tasks and missions um which then seems to like actually kind of like affect the overall story mm-hmm. which i think is really cool there's like so much about this game that I think is really cool. I just don't know why they chose to showcase it in that way in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It is a little, um, unfortunate that that's going to be what is shown for, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who are watching this and see like, Oh, this is really, you know, chugging along. Um, but there still seems to be a lot of people who, you know, believe in them. And there are parts of the video where they're walking around where it doesn't happen. So, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, it could just be that, you know, they just screwed up with the video uh, and just kept it because maybe they're busy. But like, yeah, it it doesn't show their best self in that. Yeah. And obviously, like over a thousand people kind of didn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely just me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because a lot of the backers that they have are are in higher tiers. Like there's there's a good amount of 260 or more backers. Uh, there are five backers in the $1,500 range and more. Yeah, yeah. So there's like there's there's a good amount of people who were really into this style of game and really believed in it. I mean, it does look cool. And if, like I said, Fire Emblem type games aren't really my my dish. But like, if that's for you, this is probably something you're going to be into. And the uh, the standard tier of $30 that actually gets you the game, it also gives you some other cool stuff. Like, yeah, you get everything in the supporter tier, um, but you get, like, access to a digital art book, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And then you get the, like, the backer in the credits. Mm-hmm. Or, no, you get gain the backer role in our Discord. So I think it's pretty cool that they give you that art book as well as the game, yeah. especially because this, like, anime aesthetic art is actually very nice. So I imagine it's going to look like a pretty decent art book yeah we'll have to see i mean we probably never will but so others will see <laughs> at least i have never yeah. seen <laughs> i'm i'm definitely not going to either it's definitely not my jam but if any of you out there are listening and you're a big fan of like either turn-based battles or like a, a larger um like militaristic sim similar to like um Valkyria. like fire emblem or yeah valkyria chronicles um check this one out it looks pretty cool just don't watch the trailer uh, <laughs> or at least watch the first like 10 seconds and then skip to like 50 seconds in <laughs> i like as only 56 seconds i'm pretty sure yeah, skip to 50 seconds yeah yeah you're right where is it well all right you know what it's 40 <laughs> seconds it's enough is enough they don't show you too much uh, in the trailer you- anyway <laughs> do you have any last little bits you want to get out about war of assured once again that's war of a s h i r d no no i don't but i'd love to know how you actually say it <laughs> uh yes i would very much like to know kind of like how like on google trans like when you look up something and you're like um like pedantic and you're like okay cool it gives you the definition and then it has that little button that you can click and actually hear somebody say it right right <laughs> Need something like that on Kickstarter or just anything that has a name just in general. I mean, we used to way back when this, the Microsoft yeah, Sam thing. used to do the Microsoft <laughs> Sam thing back when this first started, but I kind of dropped that. I like just watching you struggle instead. <laughs> uh, now on to our last segment of the podcast. These are our random questions, which really they're not that random. They're just fucking questions. Mm. So there you go. Um, Josh Nichols, I, I want to know so badly if Josh wrote in both these questions, he just used the two different accounts, if I'm being honest. Oh, yeah, that's actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh Nichols from ActiveQuest, I need to make sure I say that, yeah, sure. uh, writes in, it said, uh, do you miss that? Va- uh, well, it's in the Valley of the Gods, but I get what you're going for. Um, Close enough, man. We knew. <laughs> <laughs> that was my most anticipated game when it was revealed at the 2017 Game Awards. I've probably watched the trailer a hundred times. Damn. Have you heard? Have we heard anything since Campo Santo was absorbed by the abusive but loving game daddy <laughs> Valve since Alex was released or finished? Uh, I don't think no. we've heard anything new since Alex was finished. No, that's a good. It's a good point though because like that was one of the things. So it, it's an interesting choice of words that you use, Josh, of abusing but loving Game Daddy, because as far as we know, this was more on the choice of the developers. That being said, we we also don't know behind closed doors if maybe that's different. Um, but 
you know, we have not heard, or at least I haven't seen anything about this coming back into fruition. And as much as I love Valve and a lot of the things that they create, they do have a tendency to just kind of drop things. Um, but I mean, hey, we got a new Half-Life recently. Like, that was expected to just never happen. So, I mean, miracles still do exist. It might not be gone forever. Assuming that, like, they're planning on bringing Half-Life Alex to other, like, um, VR platforms. Like, people are asking for, like, a PSVR or some, like, other... Um other like support I, I don't know can you play it on oculus that's a great question uh i wish i knew like anything about vr space i can't answer that question but let's find out google <laughs> uh, well i guess you'll tell me in a second but assuming that they're trying to bring this to other platforms um i would say that the reason we probably haven't heard anything is one maybe like campo santo I, I don't know if those developers want to actually, like, go back and develop um, in the Valley of the Gods. And two, um, I don't know. Maybe they're working on, like, a port. I'm, I'm honestly not very sure at this point, mm. like, what's happening. I mean, it is possible that because of this massive, like, and amazing reception of Half-Life Alex, that maybe you're going to finally get fucking Half-Life 3 or something, or you're going to get some new Half-Life spinoff that they're yeah. now working on. No offense, Josh, but if they're considering Half-Life 3 versus continuing Valley of the Gods, I'm, uh, I'm Half-Life 3 all the way. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure that it was called In the Valley of the Gods because I remembered I have fucked this up before. <laughs> and I was like, am I criticizing him when it's not uh, actually? But- yeah, I'm just a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also to answer your question, uh, Oculus Quest cannot play Half-Life Alex. Okay. Well, there you go. Maybe they're, they're going to bring it to like Oculus Quest. Can it, okay. This is going to be another weird question. I know that Oculus Quest is the like self-contained yeah, unit. Yeah. Can it play it with the, uh, how you can get the link, the link cable and hook it up to your PC? Yeah. Do you know if it can yeah. play it So then? it's, you can play it on Oculus Link or virtual desktop, but because of how intensive the Half-Life Alex game is, it won't be on Quest anytime soon, people say okay well there you go maybe they're working on a quest part maybe they're working on one for psvr or possibly who knows whatever fucking headsets coming after psvr assuming that they're making another um and i mean so i i wasn't as excited for in the valley of the gods and that's only because uh, like don't get me wrong it looks really cool and i'm sure it would have been amazing um but i actually never played firewatch so like i can't dude y'all a bitch (laughs) (laughs) i just never played it so and it's it's just something where because i don't know and i know there's a lot of people who who have uh, nothing but praise for firewatch uh but i don't have that knowledge of what that is so for me it was just like uh it could be great but i just don't know yeah, I'm a, I was a big fan of Firewatch. I thought it was really good. The ending is kind of controversial for people, but I really enjoyed it. Mm. So I didn't have this like big issue with it. And I was actually really looking forward to In the Valley of the Gods. And it does suck that Campo Santo was absorbed and not really like nothing really came of it after that. Right. But I hope the developers are happy. Like if they don't want to work on it, then I as a fan wouldn't force them to make a fucking half-life game do whatever you want yeah i mean that's that's the thing is like with valve so to speak of what we understand is they get to choose the teams that they become a part of so like 
if if that is true and they're jumping to half-life alex instead or whatever might come next and decide to table in the valley of the gods like I'd rather them do that because if it is their free will, they're not going to be as invested or as passionate about working on it. Uh, And if that's the case, you don't want that game because it's not going to be as good as if they table it and then three years come back and say like, let's give it another shot. We've got some cool ideas now. Like we've thought about it. We can make this better. Let's, you know, recreate it into something that it's even better than it could have been. Yeah, exactly. It might not have that heart if they were kind of like forced to make it. Right, exactly. And they don't really want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great way to look at it. Uh, now let's move on to this ambiguous question from who knows who. I mean, <laughs> it might have been Josh. It might not have been. Dude, Either way. You know what? I was I, I was listening to, to Active Quest uh, today, actually. They're episode 69. And when they said the the introduction, they were like, 69. And they were, everyone was like, nice. I was like, why the <laughs> fuck? Were we not invited for that episode? I don't know why. (laughs) Like, I've never really thought that. And I was like, where the fuck were we? For some reason, just because of that whole joke that we had for... And I don't even know if they were a part of it. So, like, I don't know why I felt so compelled to be like, we should have been there. But for some reason, that was just the thing that went in my head. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been nice to be on. I mean, it was just a meme. Like, everybody's doing it. So, but like, Still, though, dude... We you can, guys were all talking about how I can nonchalantly talk about putting a finger in my butt. I liked that, dude. That, that was, was the a, perfect that was episode. An interesting to be conversation on. from them. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, they were just like, "I don't understand how he does it." And I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna give you my secret. If you do it from the beginning, nobody questions. It's it. true. That's how you do it. I mean, yeah, it would be really weird if I just started being like Yvonne. Let me tell you about my finger butt story. Well, I, actually, I don't know if it would be that weird, but like. I think it's because you're with me. Yeah, like I get, people I get are a oh, that. Man, that's so weird. I get associated with this finger butt, like butt fucking <laughs> or butt fingering guy over here. Yeah, but if like Chris Penwell was just on the podcast with you, and then you tried to take up the mantle of the butt guy, like mm. I don't, I don't know if it would work. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll have to try next time he's on. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll give him a bunch I'll of. I'll just stuff. dip out. Yeah. Be like, so Chris, <laughs> see if it gets weird. Let's talk about butt stuff. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, you guys go ahead and chat among yourselves. And you're just like, so do you like butt you stuff? Like butt stuff? Or like, you know, <laughs> come on, let's let's get into it. Yeah, if you just do things from the beginning, nobody really questions it. So next time you try to reinvent yourself, just think of the weirdest fucking shit humanly possible. And it, there you go. Nobody's going to worry about it from then on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ambiguous question time written in from active quest amazing podcast awesome people thank you so much joseph the beautiful boy chris the beautiful boy i was gonna come up with <laughs> yeah, something else like, but didn't you gonna be clever or just <laughs> keep the same thing going nope and then, and josh, then josh the beautiful boy there so go. there you go dude <laughs> yeah they're fantastic i love those guys um they somebody there writes in and says <laughs> <laughs> How do you think indie games will use next gen tech? Uh, I think they'll use it. <laughs> really? <That's>... No way. <laughs> I mean, so uh, I we kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier into the episode. I think there's a lot of new tech that's coming out that's becoming more accessible to to individuals. As technology grows, it becomes just so much easier to actually get your hands on it and try it and build things and new unique things. Um, with Unity, you're, you're actually able to 
to, you know, just download that and play around with it. Like there's, there's different things. I don't know how much of like new tech when you're thinking of like Unreal Engine 5 and like how extensive you can go with what will be the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and, you know, high tech specs for PC. Like I, I still think that although it's going to be easier in some regards, it's still going to be a lot of work and it's still going to be different because although it's easier to get in now, the the bar for, you know, getting to that point where games are just insanely stunning and, and, and crazy compelling is also becoming higher. So I don't know how much, because one, I'm not a developer and I don't know, you know, the, the high extent into it, but like, it's always going to be a leap forward for AAA games. And I don't know that there's ever going to be a time where they're going to be, you know, completely synonymous and saying like indie games look exactly the same because resources are different. Like that's just a thing. Uh, that being said, we just had scorn on here that we talked about and that looks amazing for an indie game. Like that's an insane amount of work, but to my same point, And for some reason I couldn't find out how big that studio was. Cause I don't know. I just couldn't figure it out and I didn't want to look that hard, <laughs> but like, I'm sure, you know, that's not a one person uh, show if it is like fucking ugh, wow. But like, I don't know that the tech is going to make it just be like, oh, now we can create these AAA looking games. And you might be able to say like, oh, they can make AAA games from like, uh, you know, what was AAA a few years back easier. But I don't know that they're just going to be able to pull off like you know, the next, uh, last of us two kind of style. Yeah. I, um, I personally believe like, of course the way they're going to use it is like decreasing load times. They're going to make their games like more visually beautiful, obviously the broad stroke stuff, but there's definitely something that I feel like that scorn article hit on before is that they won't have to make as many compromises. I feel like in life, we have to make a shitload of compromises. As a video game developer, you have to make a lot of compromises. But one thing that, like, Indie Game the Movie showed us is that they have to, like, indie game developers of all have to make a ridiculous amount of compromises in their everyday lives just to, like, live but do something that they're passionate about. Like, that part of Indie Game the Movie where Tommy's talking about how he, like, he doesn't have a girlfriend, he doesn't have friends, because even if he did, where would he, what would he do with them? Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't have money for it and stuff like that. So they are already having to compromise in so many ways that they shouldn't have to for their game. And it's not like, like, of course, Scorn is a different story than everything else because they're like the, the reasons they would have to compromise is decreasing their visual fidelity to bring it onto consoles. But still like any game studio that wants to make this beautiful game, hopefully with uh, pieces of like, amazing new pieces of tech like unreal engine 5 won't have to do that anymore they can make their preferred product mm -hmm. and there have been beautiful games that i've seen that are developed by solo devs so it is possible yeah. um i also think that like unreal engine 5 i remember hearing that they are doing like uh i believe it was that epics foregoing uh royalties for like the before for the like first million or something like that that you make yeah. with the game uh, that you make in Unreal Engine 5. So 
that is obviously a huge benefit and kind of a way that they're going to use that next gen tech is they're going to use an awesome new engine yep. that would allow them to do amazing things and also like until they make their first million until they face until they make that that mint which for a team of four five even ten people is a decent chunk of change they don't have to give epic any portion of the amount of money they make so i think it's pretty awesome um i think next gen tech is going to be amazing i don't know how specifically they're going to use yeah. it obviously it really depends um, because we don't know what's really coming like there's yeah. so much to be explored in this new realm so like the one thing that I will say is obviously with the new inclusion of these different engines that are built in a way that kind of you as a, an indiv- or independent developer, you as a developer can leverage a lot of tools that are already pre-built and pre-existing to create your games in a faster way and to also do what you were you know pointing out to, which is not make those compromises for specific ways that you have to put things in certain buckets like that's going to make it faster and more accessible so i don't know that we're going to see just a constant influx of changes when it comes to indies i think we they're already getting closer to that bar but once again i think it's also like it's time and resources and sometimes you just don't have that with indie games yeah and there's also the fact that like indie game developers they make games for themselves and the games that they they make the games that they love and they want so it's very possible that we won't see them utilize a whole lot of like next-gen tech necessarily because they were already making the games that they loved they didn't need to leverage this amazing tech to do it Mm. but i don't know maybe we'll see like um the next like we'll see hollow knight silk song be fucking gigantic because of new tech or something (laughs) like that like I doubt that, but yeah. The sky's the limit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely doubt it as well, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Moving to like consoles that continually get closer and closer to PC, which I love that every time a console comes out, they're like, this is the closest we've ever been to PC gaming. <laughs> and then they say it again, the next generation, because PC gaming goes by leaps and bounds and consoles just have to catch up to it every time. Yeah, I mean, so it's just some like, people are trying to say that the PS5 is going to be better than... Uh, P- like- literally the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> when they were like the ps5 uh is going to be uh the better than any pc is at this moment and i'm like dude like i'm that's literally impossible i'm sorry do you know what kind of shit people can do with pcs now did you know that there are graphics cards that cost thousands of fucking dollars like <laughs> yeah that's i mean that was kind of one of the things is like if the ps5 is going to be better than computers like that's going to be a million dollar box obviously exaggerating exactly but like still it's literally impossible to mass produce something that is a better quality than the best pc on the market for a 500 hundred dollar price point or 550 literally impossible so good luck with that okay <laughs> sure fucking dumb um all right then that's <laughs> that's 
Sucked. That's the end of this podcast. Thanks everyone so much for listening. If you'd like to chat with us outside the shows, uh, you can actually follow the podcast itself at IndiePod on Twitter. You can follow me, Vaughn, at High Legion, and you can follow Josh at the underscore George90. Uh, Josh, do you have anything you want to pimp out? I do. Thank you for letting me pimp without you being like, let's wrap the show up and then forgetting at the end. <laughs> Much different this time. Um, so I did get to uh, interview Matt Dabrowski, who is the creator, the sole developer on Streets of Rogue. Uh, it's about a, a, I think it was like a 30 to 40 minute interview, just talking to him about inspiration, kind of what the game is like, what's his favorite character to play. Um, he went in a long rant about what Streets of Rogue, the sequel might be, which he probably shouldn't have because he made a lot of like wild uh things i hope so fucking badly that somebody takes out that clip <laughs> it is just like says it's gonna be open world yeah. bro <laughs> so there's there's a lot of that but like uh interviewing him was awesome he's a really cool dude uh i had a lot of fun with it i definitely recommend checking it out if you are interested in streets of rogue or if you just want to hear me talk to a pretty cool indie developer uh check it out it's up right now uh, if you're listening to this episode, you might have already seen it uh, because it's listed, uh, which we have to do a Twitter post about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's up there. It's really good. Please check it out. Um, also, uh, just another shout out for us in general. Um, please, 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 please uh, give us some reviews and likes on whatever tool that you're using. Um, specifically because I'm getting pissed off because every time I try to search IndiePod in Spotify, it doesn't come up. Even though the things that are coming up are not IndiePod, it's like Indian music. And I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah, that's mostly the reason that I did this subtitle, which sounds kind of stupid and it might be the reason that IndiePod isn't coming up, but... It's mostly because, like, I would I would go to, like, look for something like, um, Go Beyond, my other podcast, my My Hero Academia podcast. I initially listed it as Go Beyond, but I literally couldn't find it. Every time I tried to look up Go Beyond, it was some entirely different podcast, and you literally couldn't find it. So that's why I put the subtitle, An Indie Games Podcast, because if you type that in, it's the easiest fucking shit ever. Obviously, it's more, and not everybody's going to do it, but also, I've noticed that if you uh on some platforms if you just type in indie games podcast indie pod will come up yeah. see but what pisses me off is it's we put indie pod and it gives you like a, a small list of like six of them and then you press see all and like it'll be the next one down and i'm like fucking just put it up one yeah that is really annoying so yeah thank you so much for saying that yeah uh give us good reviews on itunes that would be amazing thank you so much obviously across all platforms if you can do it i don't i don't really know if you can on like google Podcasts or anything but just share around the episodes share the love when it comes to indie games um for me stuff i would like to shout out um one obviously josh's interview is fantastic you guys should really listen to it i listened to it today i really enjoyed it um you guys could check out my other podcast uh go beyond and my hero academia podcast uh where we basically just break down each and every episode of my hero academia in excruciating detail it's fantastic <laughs> And I'm also doing current chapter reviews every week. I also uh, do the podcast Elder Talks Games Industry. Uh, it's a monthly podcast. This month we talked about Souls-like games. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed it. And 
I love Eldar. He's an awesome guy. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed talking to him, so make sure you check that out. Uh, That's it for the most part. I mean, yeah. Do you have any uh, stuff going up on Parallax Media anytime soon you want to pimp out? No, not right now. Uh, I've been pretty busy otherwise. Um, So for right now, it's just the interview and the general podcast that we're doing now. Well, there you go. I mean, the interview's great, and we're going to try to continue to have more indie game developers on here uh we recently had like an indie game developer that we were trying to get an interview with uh but the time difference was so weird and i haven't actually run into that yet Mm -hmm. but that was the weirdest ever he's like how about this time it should be good for you and i was like yeah and then you pointed out that that's like 4 a.m for us yeah i was like oh (laughs) it's a little early um but (laughs) i mean otherwise i would say you know if you are an independent developer or if you want us to reach out to a specific indie dev like let us know. Uh, we will go ahead and do so. I'm trying to get as many of these as I can. I want to start actually interviewing a bunch of these devs just because uh, it's super interesting to me. Like I loved talking with Matt Dabrowski and I, I love just getting to know the people who are creating the games that I love. Um, and I'm sure other people would want you know a window into that world. So let me know, um, however, through Twitter or whatnot or through our email. Um, yeah, we're open to it. Awesome. That's it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, fam. Hey, man, you used everyone. Nice job. Oh, I did yeah, score. Yeah, I know. You're so good. So good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.